Hey friends, this is Hannah Wedger, an agriculture teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. And I'm here to talk all things agriculture education related, curriculum, classroom management, FFA, career development events, SAEs, and whatever else you wanna hear about. It's basically me sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with all of you. So let's dig in. All right. Hey, friend. Thanks for joining for another episode of Egg with Miss Ledger. I am here today with one of my good friends who I met on Instagram, and I am so happy I did. Um, and her name is Kendra Callahan, and she is here to just chat with me today, which is my favorite. Um, so we're just going to go wherever the conversation takes us, but I'm going to have her introduce herself first. And um, just kind of tell us, Kendra, how you got into Ag Ed. Like, give us kind of the backstory of where you are, how you got to where you are now. Awesome. Hannah, thank you so much for asking me to be here. Um, I just enjoy talking to people and have been very thankful of all of the ways uh, this summer that I've had the way to connect with um, Ag teachers that I now consider peers around the country. And that really um, has happened because of uh, you and Sarah. You guys were catalysts for all of these relationships. And so it's pretty powerful to think about that impact. So I thank you for that. Uh, so my name is Kendra Callahan, like Hannah said. And um, I am in Northwest Illinois. I teach at Kiwani High School. Uh, Kiwani, I would consider it, it is more of a, um, city or inner city school in this area, but we're still in a rural component of the state. So I'm a little under three hours west of Chicago, and our high school has just shy of like 600 students. So I might see like 120 to 150 kids a day. Um, this will be my third year at Kiwani High School and my third year in the Illinois Ag Education System. I spent um, 10 years in industry before coming to Ag Ed. So I uh, grew up on a small family farm with row crop and livestock, um, have been a farmer's daughter, outdoor girl my whole life. And um, I always wanted to go the professional route. I was uh, on a horse judging team in community college at Blackhawk College and then transferred to Kansas State. And I had a passion for academia I've always been a talker and I love to share. And so I've been one of those, like, I think if I know something, I want other people to know it. So I gravitated towards, like, I worked for the dean's office and did recruitment activities and really thought that that was where I was going to stay. And then I fell in love with a college professor and he said, don't go into academia, there's more money in industry. So I chased the corporate ladder and um, I traveled about 5,200 miles a month and spent three nights a week on average away from home. And um, I loved it. I loved what I did. I loved the people that I worked with. Um, I loved being in the ag industry. And um, one day my husband came into my office after I'd been gone for a few days and he asked me two questions. The first was, he said, um, how much money did you make per hour this week? And I'm not a numbers person, so I had not like thought about that. So I was like, I don't know. Well, I was embarrassed by the total because it just highlighted like how much I was working versus what I was actually bringing home. 
And then the second question he asked me was, how many times did you introduce yourself today as I'm um, Aaron's wife versus um, I'm Kendra Callahan with X? And um, that was like, ooh, that stabbed me. And it made me realize that I maybe had a very worldly perspective on what I was doing and that that wasn't my goal. So I started the process of thinking about I need to do something different. In the meantime, like other people were planning for me, right? Like you're meeting people and they're doing things that you don't realize that's happening. And one of my lifelong dear friends um, who was a mentor and teacher when I was in high school, their um, ag program, the, the school I graduated from, was kind of having this turnover of ag teachers. And I was helping with an event and she said, have you ever thought about being an ag teacher? I literally laughed at her. I was like, you're crazy. Because ag teachers work a lot and they make no money, right? Like, that's, I was like, you're nuts. And I didn't entertain it at all. I just, like, walked away from her. And um, then fast forward, and what actually happened, Hannah, was I was in um, a very bad rollover accident. The person in the other vehicle was life lighted And I woke up the next morning, so thankful that I woke up, right, and said, it's time. And um, like literally decided that day and just let the people know that, hey, I'm passionate about agriculture. I'm passionate about youth. Like what, what can we do? And um, not even six months later, the pr principal that I work for now, he called me. I'd never met him before. I had no idea who he was. My phone rang and he said, this is Mr. Brian from Kiwani High School. I'd like to meet you. And here we are. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, you know, I've asked quite a few people what their story is and how they got into egg. That might be, that, that might have just been the best one yet. <laughs> that is really amazing. Um, so he called you, were you currently in a program studying egg ed? How did that work? No, so in the state of Illinois, I am um, a pro provisionally licensed so it is an Illinois educator's license with stipulations. Um, and so my provisional is in um, agriculture under the career and technical education umbrella. And um, so they take like your work experience hours and then your college um, credits, et cetera, that apply, you know, which obviously I graduated in agriculture. So all of that fits, um, but I'm just not a traditionally trained teacher. Um, I was already in the Illinois um, education system because I substitute taught while I was applying for jobs. Uh, so mm. for a few months after my husband had proposed and I moved from Kansas to Illinois, I substitute taught for a little while. So I was already in the education system. So that kind of helped progressing, but um, which I know like teacher shortage all over the country and then specifically in agriculture. But in the state of Illinois right now, I would venture to guess without knowing the exact numbers that there might be almost half of our new teachers every year that are coming in through a provisional license program. Um, so they're definitely doing the right things to like make that be a fit. And, and I'm really thankful that they did because I've told a lot of people that by October of that very first year, it was like a puzzle piece had been missing that I didn't know was missing. Like, all of a sudden, like I was getting so much fulfillment out of my day. Uh, and like, I was happy before, like I wasn't unhappy. So it was weird. It was like this 
like my heart was bursting in a way I didn't realize that I hadn't been acknowledging. What do you miss about being in industry? <laughs> um, well, a few things. Um, I can honestly say, and maybe this is a good um, thing to say for people, your listeners, is that I don't miss the paycheck. Like I, I thought that I would. And so I need to be honest about that, that like, um, that God will provide and that things will happen or you acknowledge and realize, you know, different, different things to do stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't miss the paycheck, but things I do miss. I love to eat at like new places and I love like the little mom and pop places. And so I absolutely miss like getting to eat lunch, like across the Midwest and like these random little spots that I would find. Um, I miss that a lot, <laughs> which is weird. Um, <laughs> I do miss kind of setting my own schedule. Um, you know, like, so if my, if my niece or nephew needed something, like I could arrange my schedule so that I had some flex time. Like flex time doesn't really exist in academia. Um, so I, I would say that those are probably two which are weird, but like setting your own schedule and um, eating lunch at fun places. What do you feel like being an industry first has helped you with as you were transitioning into being an ag teacher and how do you think that's supported you in your role now? That is a good question and it has done a lot. Um, I honestly, uh, I don't think that I would have um, liked to be a teacher at 21 years old. Um, this last year, we had a brand new teacher in our building and whom I think the world of. And every day I would look at just the interactions that like they would have to have with students. And I thought I may have not been prepared um, with the emotional maturity to handle some of the things that our students experience. You know what I mean? That um, yeah. our kids today, like they see some wild stuff and experience some wild stuff. And there were many conversations in the last couple of years that a student sitting across from me that I think 10 years ago, I probably would have been bawling. Like, I don't know that I would have been able to like handle that conversation. So in that way, just some like maturity myself, uh, professionally, like I pride myself on professionalism and that's definitely something I bring to my classroom and I bring to our building. And that I learned from great mentors in the corporate industry. And so I think that not only does that like elevate my space and elevate the dialogue I have with my administration, but it also has prepared me to have those conversations with my students. So I talk about like green language a lot with them. Like we have to talk like you want to make some money. And this is the way you talk if you want to make money. And um, just that that career dialogue is different than if you're just having barn chat. Uh, so I definitely think that those would be the biggest areas. And like from an ag teacher perspective, I'm not scared of our administration. I have great administration. I have a great school board, but I have peers that are like terrified to talk to those people, right? And oftentimes I'm like, why? And then I have to remind myself, well, yeah, like if I were 22, 23 years old, th that's intimidating. Like they're your superior. Mm -hmm. uh, but after like working in an environment where there's a hierarchy, right? Corporate, all corporate has a hierarchy that you respect those people, but you learn how to work with them to take that next step. So I, I would say that professionalism probably has been the biggest ad, 
advantage for me coming to this role. That really makes me think, I feel like in the last year, just personally, I've become more confident in um, thinking about those interactions with administration or whatever else. And I think that you, I don't know, like just feeling more confident, feeling more mature, you're more willing to approach them. Um, and it, I don't know, I, I think that's really cool that you're bringing that into the classroom too and kind of showing kids how you use that language um, and incorporate that into just what they're learning. How beneficial is that for them? That's like, they don't, they're, they're not gonna learn that otherwise, you know, they're gonna learn through mistakes or they're gonna learn years later. That's really powerful. <laughs> What are you, you're going into a new school, like um, what are some ideas that you have for how you're going to build those relationships with your, you know, building administration or district administration? Do you have thought, you've probably already done this, but have you thought about that? Um, so it's interesting with COVID, right? Because your interactions, at least my interactions right now with administration are how I want to approach going back to school. Um, we were just told that we are going to do a hybrid model. Um, and there's really mixed feelings about that. And so my, you know, I'm thinking about how do I communicate? What are my needs going back to school? And how do I make sure that, you know, you don't want to come off as like, um, as someone who's not willing to work or, you know, like work with the administration, someone who's just very much like, this is what I need and I need it now. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to figure out like, it's weird because these are actually real needs that I need, that my students need in order to be safe. And so I feel like my thoughts right now about interacting with administration are a lot different than if it were a normal school year. Um, and also like, I am coming from a very large school district um, where I've never actually got to see the superintendent in person. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I know what his face looks like, but I've never actually had a, like an interaction with him to a much smaller school district where the superintendent's office is in the same building as the school that I teach at. Um, and so it feels like there's a lot more accessibility to being able to talk with the administrator, like with superintendent, with school board members because of that. Um, one thing that I did learn being in a large school district is that the school board members want to know what you're doing in your classroom. That's one thing that I did really learn um, and just really like stumbled upon it. Um, someone else had invited school board members to our egg day. Um, I didn't even know. And then our school board members showed up. I didn't even know what they looked like. And someone was like, hey, those are school board members. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um, but they just wanted to know what was going on. So I like, we had a half an hour conversation just about like, agriculture and why we do egg day and what do we do in the classroom and how is it similar to the big events that we were putting on um and that really built a connection to 
then I just started sending them emails. Hey, this is what we're doing in our classroom this week. Hey, this is what we're doing in our classroom, or this is this field trip that we went on, and this is why it's so valuable for kids to be able to go on this field trip. Um, so I, that's one thing that I've really learned and, like I said, kind of stumbled upon, but just being able to, whether you're in a big school district or a small school district, sharing with school board members and administration what you're doing and why you're doing why you're doing it, why it's so important. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's awesome, and I totally agree that there is so much value in them knowing what you're doing and inviting them into your space. At the end of the day, they're just people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of them. Uh, well, I would say I think three or four of our school board members had students who had went through the school the schools within that school district already or were currently in the schools um and so th they wanted to know what was happening and why it was beneficial for their own children um mm -hmm. so and that way it made them a lot more approachable mm -hmm. i'm excited for you to have them in your building um and that accessibility yeah. I, I think it'll be good like you're, you're gonna have yeah. a different type of relationship with them than you would have had before. So that'll be cool to see how that progresses. Yeah, and I think about, you know, you said kind of first year, first few years of teaching, I feel like you're just trying to get everything like sorted out. And the first school district that I taught at, the administration and superintendent were within the same building too, but I feel like I was just trying to like, get my own like what was happening in my own classroom figured out that I didn't ever really like venture out or talk to anyone else um or make those connections and now I feel like I've got that classroom thing figured out and now I can kind of spread my wings a little bit more it's interesting though because I feel like no one ever tells you that when you go into ag ed that you're going to be like a sales and marketing person <laughs> But you are, you so are. Yeah, you 100% are. Um, I said this on my last episode, but it's just stuck with me because I feel like it's so um, just powerful. Uh, I was talking to a friend and they have a um, uh, beehives on their campus, mm -hmm. school campus, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the assistant principal had said something like, well, we don't want to put in a pollinator garden because we'll get more bee stings and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, it's, you're not going to get more bee stings because of the pollinator garden and the beehive. Like it's because you have students eating food outside for lunch and you're not getting rid of the, you know, the garbage soon enough or wiping off the tables and whatever else. And she was like, but that's not necessarily his fault that he doesn't understand. It. It's my fault for not explaining it. And I was like, what? But it, it is, as an agriculture teacher, you're explaining what's going on with your program, why you're doing certain things and how it's beneficial. Um, and also like how it works. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't think that that's limited just to ag education. Um, I would say agriculture in general, that that's part of being an advocate, is just doing a better job of being transparent. None of, none of what we do is a secret, uh, but I think that we all, like, either we don't think it's important, or we don't think anyone else cares, or we're, 
so into what we're doing that we don't stop and go like, oh, wait, this is why this is happening or this is why I'm doing this, uh, that there is tremendous value and just like just pausing for a minute to bring awareness to some of those activities. And I think sometimes we're too close to it that it's hard to think about like, what do we need to educate others about? Like we know, our students know, you know, like it's hard to kind of think outside of like, okay, who else needs to know? What else do I need to tell them? Um, I feel like sometimes I get stuck in that, that area. <laughs> That's good. That's very true. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I always think about that, even when you're sharing stuff on Instagram, just about like teaching or whatnot, like, what do I know that maybe a first year teacher doesn't know? Or what does a teacher that's been teaching 10 years more than me know that I'm just sitting here completely missing? Um, so mm -hmm. trying to kind of widen my perspective. My husband and I talk about blind spots a lot, like everybody has blind spots and you're always trying to figure out like, what are mine? What am I missing here? Well, you don't know what you don't know. And um, I was visiting with a brand new first year teacher that is just starting in a couple weeks the other day. And of course said to her what everyone is saying to her, like, hey, if you need anything, reach out. And without missing a beat, she goes, I don't even know what to ask you for. <laughs> and, I, and I thought she's right. Like, I remember like the couple weeks before I started school that I, I didn't know what I needed to ask people for. And, um, so there's probably some of that too, that like, it's a blind spot because you don't know what questions to ask sometimes until you start trying things and then, oh wait, I should ask somebody how they did this. I was just reminding myself, I was talking to my student teacher earlier this morning and I was making a mental note that I feel like it's important to like, just call and check in. Um, as the school year goes on because of what you said, like you don't know what you don't know. And even sometimes until you start talking and digging into stuff, you don't realize what questions you want to ask until you're deep in a conversation. And then you're like, oh, what about X? Or help me think through Y or um, whatnot. And she, her and I were even talking like, let's just pick a couple of lessons to just walk through with one another. That, that's super beneficial for both of us just to like, what's your perspective on this? What's my perspective? What can we add here or there? Um, and both of us just found really valuable in the student teaching and teaching internship process. And like, how can we move that into this new school year where everything's so, so weird and so different? <laughs> I love how intentional you are about that. So um, I think that that is something big to highlight. Just you were very intentional about talking to her and then intentional about like that check-in. This past year, um, Jessica Collins, she was, uh, she did a speaker for Germany. She did subplans. And um, so Jessica and I don't, we don't teach anywhere near each other in the state of Illinois. But um, this last year, it was like the first week of February, I think. I got an email from her and she was just like, hey, Kendra, just checking in. How's the school year going? You know, if there's anything that you need, um, reach out. And at that point, like, I knew who she was. I mean, she was our state president for our Illinois Ag Teachers Association. Like, like, I knew who she was, but I didn't have a relationship with her. And at the time, you know, like, FFA week, all the things are happening in February, right? 
And so I felt so good that she reached out, but it took me like three weeks to respond to her. (laughs) And, but I needed her to know like, Hey, that meant a lot that you reached out to me. And because like she opened the door, then it prompted me to go, Oh wait, here is something that I am looking for. So I think that that is advice that I need to do a better job of this year, like being intentional about reaching out to like other teachers that maybe aren't like my direct peers, um, but just letting people know or be aware that I'm thinking about them or uh, that when somebody crosses your mind to do that. My husband just got back from a work trip yesterday and he was working in, um, he was working with someone that he doesn't normally get to work with. And he said, at the end of the day, he said, you know, Jack, I really, I really enjoyed working with you today. That was really cool. We got a lot accomplished and it just, it was a good day. I really appreciate it. And he said just the, the facial expression of the response that he get, got back from someone who via Zoom and whatever else is very like straight faced and to the point was, wow, that was really cool. Like thanks for acknowledging that and said that he his his um co-worker jack responded yeah i appreciated it too um and he's like i don't know if he cared or not but i really appreciated it and his face told me that he appreciated it um and i was like well i would like that (laughs) like if someone said that to me at the end of a day when we were getting like working a long day and doing a ton of different things like I would appreciate that too, just knowing like that the work that we put in together was well received. Um, Mm -hmm. Just made me think of that when you were talking about just acknowledging being able to work with people and acknowledging when they have good ideas and um, when they've had an impact on you, I think is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Words of affirmation is my love language. And so whether it's, and for me, it's like positive or negative, like I just need affirmed that this is good, this is a bad. And so on all of my evaluations, all of my evaluators have commented on my affirmations in the classroom. And so like, I'm constantly saying things to kids, like, great job with that. I really like that you did this or redirecting them. And there is like so much power in our words, so much power. I love that. We, the school district that I used to work for, they um, were very big into like the positive behavior intervention strategy. So like, like you said, just acknowledging when behavior was good. Um, And I love doing that. It was so fun to be able to like catch kids, you know, when they're being good and then you see them kind of sit up a little bit better, you know, taller and they, you know, are working a little bit harder and I really enjoyed catching the good behavior in the classroom. I think that's actually something that I miss not being in person is being able to like see those behaviors and support them in that. Um, I have a question for you and this is a little bit out of left field, but it was one of the ask me anything questions. And I think it's super interesting. Um, so as a teacher, what keeps you up at night? I told you it's deep, but it's, ah, Mm -hmm. there's stuff that's keeping me up at night right now, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a couple things 
uh, I'll be real transparent when you asked it, like my heart sunk a little bit and I've got to like compose myself for a minute because um, being away from the students has been highly emotional for me. And this is why, because this is something that keeps me up at night. So I mentioned that my husband is a college professor and um, him and I, we don't have any children of our own, um, but I really think that that's another like God thing that he totally planned on us having like this abundance of college kids every fall. And Aaron coaches the collegiate horse judging team. And so we get super close to his students. Um, we spend a significant amount of time with them. So um, we share a meal with them at least once a week. You know, we invite them into church with us. I'll lead a small group. They travel. Aaron travels all over the country with these kids. So my point is, like, we, we build some really tight relationships. Um, my siblings tease me that we will have weddings, like, for the rest of our lives because we are, like, so into their lives that we do all these things. Um, yes, like, it is, they've become our family. Well, when I started to teach in the high school, like there is a, there's a line there. And so like the mm -hmm. dynamics of a relationship with our college kids, like there are some things from a professional standpoint, like I can't do that with our high school kids. And it, that's mm -hmm. hard. And there are a lot of nights where um, there are just, just simply put, there are kids that I wish I had under my roof. And, mm -hmm. um, and so that keeps me up at night, like fretting about, uh, certain students or um, uh, I um, mental health is super important to me and um, I lost uh, an older sister who died by suicide and I think as um, a survivor of that that you will forever I like trap conversations in my head and so it doesn't matter what student walks through my door that I'm like intentional about this is not going to be the last conversation you have with me. And so some of those things keep you up at night. Like, you know, did I say enough? Did I, was I paying close enough attention to what they have going on? Did, did I notice something that I needed to notice? Um, so there's that. So that's kind of like all the emotional piece as a teacher that keeps me up at night. But then the other piece is engagement. <laughs> I am like obsessed with my kids being excited when they're in my space. And um, I am all over the place, you know, I'm like jumping up and down, I stand on my bookshelf, I stand on my stool a lot, like, and so I will like take a lesson and at night I'm like, oh, wait, no, and then I'll like be reworking it like before I fall asleep, which is like not what you're supposed to do, but so both of those things like emotionally and engagement, those keep me up at night. I feel like I am very much with you. Um, very much on the emotional side and I really worry about some of my students um, in the same ways that you do um, and then in the same instance and I usually it's when I'm driving to school I'm reworking my plan in my head of like oh but if I did this and then I did that and I wonder if I have those supplies in that cabinet still that I need and um, so I guess it wouldn't be keeping me up at night as much, but when I'm driving into work, it's like, oh, I think I can do this a little bit differently. You're a microphone user though, right? I am a microphone user. <laughs> Tell us about the microphone. Uh, so the microphone is actually a really cool story, um, which is real random, so I'll do it fast, but in the interim, 
mom of like that morning I woke up and was like, I'm going to pursue this like high school ag ed thing. Um, I uh, worked for a retailer in the area and um, someone gifted me that gold microphone. And like, I didn't know who they were. It was like a pay it forward moment. They had, they had the brand new microphone in the box and they're like, for some reason, I feel like you need this. And they gave me this gold microphone and I am just a cheesy person. So I was like, yeah, like, and you know, so I was not a teacher at the time, just had this gold microphone because why not? And so then when I started teaching, like, obviously I had to go to the classroom with me. And so it's a gold karaoke microphone and it's Bluetooth. So like you can play music on it. And so I like let a couple days go by. And then when I went to like read the bell ringer one day, I had it and my students were like, whoa, you know, it's one of those props. Um, but like I let kids use it if they're like, I know they're a little uncomfortable to go up for like their first presentation. Um, but now it's become a thing. So like I have gifted um, microphones to other people now because like it, like I like it and then it's become a thing that, yeah. So I love the microphone. Um, my thoughts are too, like, isn't that beneficial for students who maybe are hard of hearing or just in general, like, oh, yeah. makes it easier for everybody to hear in your classroom? Yep. And I have a lot of ESL students and yeah. um, so anytime that they can like better hear me or, you know, obviously a concern of mine for this fall, like they'll read my lips a lot until they get used to like my mannerisms and stuff. And, um, so yes. I think that it's advantageous that way as well. And it's just fun, you know, it's just fun. I'm also thinking like, that's kind of a good cue for students. Like you have your microphone, you're going to say something important. Like they should be listening. They should be ready to go. Like Miss Callahan's going to bring it. She's got her microphone. <laughs> I got to get me one of those. It just sounds like too much fun. I'm very much like you where I like to like be up and moving. I haven't, I haven't done on top of the bookshelf, I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but I think you and I are a similar height, so that might provide me with some advantages. <laughs> you did. I was I thinking in my head. Like, the day I jumped over there, but I did. <laughs> but um, my mom cleans houses, and she has, like, this, my mom is, like, five feet tall so she brings a stool everywhere with her she has like one of these stools I could just bring that in yes. and have it there all right everybody something important to say <laughs> what's your favorite thing about teaching AGED so um specific to the district that I'm in um that uh we have 88% poverty rate and less than 2% of my students have any um, production ag experience whatsoever. And so when I think about like those two numbers, so a high poverty rate and then a low connection to production agriculture, in my mind, that's the United States of America. Um, that is our consumers. That is, um, when I say our, I mean the ag industry. That is who's walking the Walmart aisle and pulling out a gallon of milk. And um, so the district I am in is not what I envisioned for myself. Like I envisioned a district like the district I grew up in, you know, small graduation class of 35, you know, whatever. So the best part about teaching ag education for me is that I am introducing students 
to where their food comes from and they they are learning things that they never even realized before and I often like one of my good friends in our building is the Spanish teacher like sometimes I feel like I'm teaching them a foreign language because they they will Mm -hmm. get so excited and it's, it's like everyday stuff that just blows their mind that to me like I've known my whole life like I've been privileged in that sense that like I've never not had a freezer full of beef because my family raises it so like I I have I can honestly say I've never gone to the store and purchased ground beef not once in my whole life and um so then when I'm like sitting with students and like having that conversation and you're watching them like do this and then they get so jacked up to like come tell me the next day like what they consumed or like I went home and I was telling my mom about the emissions and where, where the, the milk that we're getting is less than a hundred miles away. And that fires me up that I'm working with a population that like I am truly giving them something they'd never recognized before. And just making, making them aware of that agriculture is literally 360 degrees. Like you're surrounded by it and you don't realize it. I, I was just thinking, someone had asked if you could be in any egg teacher's classroom, whose classroom would it be? And obviously there are many that pop to mind, but I feel like it would be so fun to be able to sit in, t- sit in your classroom and see those light bulbs go off and be a fly on the wall and be able to see those kiddos get excited about agriculture when they have not a whole lot of connection prior to being in your classroom. That's really cool. Um, When I first started teaching, I taught in more of a rural community and then I went um, to the next district and it was very urban, the probably one of the most urban programs in the state. Um, and so I very much connect with that as well, being able to teach students who grew up on farms and were like, well, that's not how we do it on our farm. You know, that kind of mentality to, like you said, where students are like, well, what what's the difference between a pig and pork and swine what are all those ter- you know like just even terminology and, and like I found that so rewarding I felt that I just felt like I was really in my sweet spot there um, being able to connect with kiddos and see those light bulbs um, is, is a really cool and really special thing um, and I appreciate that that's one of your favorite things about AGAD um, it's interesting because every program across the U.S. is so different. And even from, you know, one, one district or one region to another region, you find that there's so many differences. I just think about um, Minnesota and the programs across Minnesota, like, are just so different. And so I appreciate your view on it. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on or want to cover before we wrap up today? Not that I can think of. I feel like we could probably talk for a whole lot longer, but it also is your last day of summer break, so I don't want to take it all up. (laughs) Um, Well, Kendra, I always end my podcast episodes with 
three of the same questions for my listeners so that they can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so the first question is who has had the most um, influence on your teaching career and why? Okay, I probably have a few people that I would need to like talk about. Um, so maybe I'll just like summarize it that there's, there's three that really like pop up. Um, first, of course, is that I need to acknowledge my husband. Um, one, as an educator, but he challenges me, which I think is why I love him so much. He says I'm a stage five clinger. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, you know, like his perspective of the classroom and just that he knows my strengths and weaknesses. And um, so he does a really good job of um, just encouraging me to be a better educator. And I do a lot of things just like any ag teacher. And I would say um, like our cohort this summer, like those are the types of people that I want to surround myself with always. Like we're not getting paid to do that stuff. We're doing it because we'll impact the next generation more. So he, he really supports that and he doesn't have to. He could say like stop doing this stuff and he doesn't. Um, the second would be uh, the one that I mentioned, the young, I'll call her a young lady. So my teacher from high school, um, just her and her family, that, and she wasn't my ag teacher, but you know, when she, she put the bug in my mind of like, have you thought about being an ag teacher? And so then because of that, um, the teacher that is now in the program that I graduated from, um, he is a phenomenal person. So Lisa Miller um, introduced me to Trenton Tabor. And um, like he is my, he is my go-to bestie in ag teacher land. And there is very little that I have done in my program or will do that I haven't ran past Trent. And um, I'm so thankful for his guidance and leadership in that way. And then the, the final piece, so the three triangles of who's impacted me the most would be our instructional coaches at our school, um, starting with uh, Mrs. Rebecca Bainey. So she was our instructional coach and she's now a principal in our district. Um, but she invested in me and like, I was just a crazy new ag teacher. And she spent significant time with me and like relating to me and understanding like the goals I had in my classroom. And I so like appreciate that because she really, you know, like using educator lingo, I didn't know. She did a great job right off the bat going like, Kendra, this is what you need to know to be successful. You want to be a four on your evaluation. This is what you do to get there. And like, I, I will always be indebted to her for doing that quickly in my teaching career. And so now I have a very strong relationship with our instructional coaches. And, um, and I think that that has made me a better educator, not just an ag teacher, is that like, I, I spend a lot of time tearing apart what I'm doing and they will invest in me if I ask them to. Yeah, I feel like, um, being, I always, I always like hearing that question and that pe or people's answers to that question because I feel like, like it takes a, a support team to be a good teacher, to be a good agriculture teacher. Like you need that support group, and it sounds like you got it coming from every angle, um, which is why you're so awesome. <laughs> um, okay, next question. Uh, and this one's just a little bit more fun and hopefully you'll have a good one for us because it sounds like you're a foodie, but what is your favorite, like your go-to meal you and your husband are going to go out to eat? Where is your go-to meal and um, 
What's the restaurant? Where, what are you going to get? Uh, my food tastes are like my passions, um, very eclectic. Uh, so I grew up in a big family that, like I said, we had a freezer full. So I actually like didn't like eating out was not something until I was in college. And um, so because of that, I had like a very sheltered taste buds. And so now I'm like, I try all the things. So I am actually the person that you probably don't want to go to a restaurant with because I will tell you like these 10 things are delicious, but I'm going to try something new all the time. Like the weirder the description, like I don't, you know, goat cheese with yellow onion and all the colors, like the more colors and flavors that they describe, I'm going to order that. Um, so I love to try new places and try new food. Um, but on a weekly basis, if it is my husband and I are going to eat somewhere, it's usually driving home from the practice pen. So like we've been roping and we really enjoy pizza. Um, there is, it's called uh, uh, Genicio's in Woodhall, Illinois. They have good hand-tossed pizza, and he is a pepperoni green olive, and on my half, I do all the things. So whatever I can put on my half of the pizza, I do. My husband is a pepperoni and green olive man, too. I've never met someone else. Oh, my goodness. We, like, we know people that like green olives, so, like, they'll tolerate it when he gets them. But, like, that is, and Aaron is very much, like, a mean potato guy, so, like, it is yes. pepperoni olive. Like that is that's what he's ordering. That's awesome. He's gonna die when I tell him that. And I'm the same where I like everything. That that is so funny. And I like to I'm very much like you. Like we had pizza a few weeks ago and I was like, I think I wanna try the taco pizza. And he was like, I I'm gonna get my own then. I'm gonna get the green the green olive and the pepperoni. It's too salty yes. for me though. Yes. I do. I love all the things. In fact, when I met um, my, uh, this last year's FFA president, she was waitressing at a little restaurant that I went to before school started. And like, I love vegetables, like just all the veggies. And um, so she takes my order and I ordered the, like, it's called a garden sandwich, but it's just veggies. It took her three weeks to get brave enough to ask me if I was a vegetarian. And she was like so scared <laughs> when she asked me. And um, of course, and I kind of like messing with people this way. And I was like, is there a problem if I am a vegetarian? Oh, no, 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 she said. No. <laughs> I'm like, no, I just, I, I, I just love food. I want to try things. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> um, okay, last question. And this one, I, I really, well, I like all of these questions, but this one I always find interesting. And I just like hearing what makes people happy, but what are three of your simple joys? Uh, the first would be reading. I love to read um, and I uh, fiction and uh, probably have read anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes a day for a better part of 20 years. I, I read a lot um, and uh, it's kind of a little escape for me at the end of the day. And um, when we vacation or travel, I just read a lot. I love, love, love to read. Um, my second would be cleaning our barn aisle. Uh, I, I don't know why, but like, so cleaning stalls and cleaning the barn aisle or the trailer every morning, like after I chore, I think it's because it's something I can control. 
And so like, I like like just the way that I feel when it's like, I've brushed everything off, like everything's in its home. Like there's something about like clean slating it. Um, and my final one is one I probably have had my whole life. Uh, I love to watch and listen to animals eat. Um, I could I could sit in the bunk for hours and um, just just listen or watch them eat. Or as a kid, I loved being in the sow barn and um, just listening to them like grind their food away. Um, there's something about the beat to that, and um, maybe it's like full circle. You know, that uh, animal agriculture is super sustainable, and um, there's something really neat about what an animal can do with what they consume. I love those. I am very much, I can see why you would like to clean the stall and clean the barn aisle and being able to see like, I'm a progress person. Like I like to be able to be like clean or dirty and then clean. Or I, I very much enjoy pruning shrubs <laughs> because you can see like crazy out of control, neat and cleaned up. <laughs> yes. So I, mm -hmm can totally see that simple joy that would bring my heart so much joy as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending some time and chatting with me. I enjoyed it so, so much. Um, and I just have been thankful that you were brought into my life through virtual coffee and then we got to know each other so well. I just have been, been able to learn so much from you um, and I'm glad we got to chat today. If anybody wants to get a hold of you um what's your i think instagram would probably be the easiest what's your instagram handle yeah so on instagram i'm callahan ranch so it's at callahan ranch so our last name c-a-l-l-a-h-a-n ranch and um i will warn your listeners it's not ag ed only it's uh, kind of a glimpse into our lives so whatever I'm thinking about that day or what's on my heart or what we're doing is what you will find um, on my Instagram. And you'll get to see the most beautiful pasture ever. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Hannah. I really enjoyed this. You just finished listening to Ag with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about our topic for today. Visit my Instagram at Mrs. Wedger to follow along on my daily journey as an agriculture teacher, a wife, and a mama at two. If you have any questions or ideas on topics you want me to dig in and cover, or if you, yeah you, <laughs> Want to be a guest? You can send me an email at eggwithmisswedger at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Bye bye, everybody.